What's happening, folks? This is Justin welcoming you back to our Cozy Mom and Pop podcast. We have successfully reemerged from hibernation to deliver yet another installment of your favorite sports podcast. Today is a special one, too. Joining us again is Kevin Sprague to talk all things NBA. That's right. Another NBA episode. We'll get into the draft, the antics of James Harden, which teams are exciting, which teams you should be watching, which teams you should be actively hating. After all, this is the sports podcast of the outrage era. And we take a brief detour through college football. We're hoping to record maybe one more time before the holidays to talk more about that. But today is all about the hoops. And if you're ready to hear two smart NBA fans explain the league to two total ignoramuses, well, you're in luck. This is Let Them Eat Takes. And welcome back to Let Them Eat Takes. Snakes. A sports podcast. It's snakes? Let Them Eat Snakes? All right. This is a sports podcast for the reptilian era. We will be discussing our favorite ways to prepare and eat uh, your Amer- North American varieties of snakes. This is where Justin takes a sip of his coffee. <laughs> Herbal tea. Thank you. I never, I never had any poisonous snakes, non-venomous snakes. My heart's chewy if you don't do it right. I think we, I think we can all just agree that snake is a subpar uh, food item and move on. That's great. I think we have something better to talk about today. I think today is an exclusively basketball episode. Am I right? Yes, the NBA. Is it a preseason or a postseason or a mid? What is this? The short answer is yes. Where are we? Wait, who is that? Who's that? Who that just laughed? <gasps> we are joined by our NBA guru Kevin. How's it going, guys? Good to be with you. And yes, preseason is about to start. Preseason. <laughs> preseason. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is all of like four games for each team, so it will be there and gone very quickly. First preseason preseason games are on Friday. Mm-hmm. It seems like we just had the finals like a month ago. I mean, yeah. how long is it? How long has it been, really? <laughs> this last game was early October, I believe. Oh, you're crapping me. No, that sounds right. Yeah, but I mean, it was two months or less than two months for the oh, entire offseason, including you know draft and free agency. And mm. training camp. It was, it was October 13th, guys. Yeah. Like, I think we've only recorded like two or three episodes since then. Two. Two. Woof. Sorry. Work, Sorry. Work efficient. Work, work's been a thing. <laughs> Tot, works and toddlers, man. What can you say? Yeah, it turns out we all got oh, to the end, end of the year and all the companies said, hmm, we need to make some money this year. <laughs> Which, by the way, 
is also what the NBA said, and that's why they're back playing almost immediately because all the TV exactly. people said, uh, I'm sorry, we need our TV money. You'll be playing on these days. So are they back in the bubble, or is this like a semi-normal season? What's the deal? Yes, they're actually not doing a bubble this year. Um, they're restricting some travel. They're trying to stack um, games like in close proximity to each other um, as best as they can, but no bubble this year. So it's going to be the uh, you know the wild world of sports being played in the middle of a pandemic. Um, things probably going to have some issues like we've seen in baseball and college football, NFL, things like that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Wait, they've had some issues in those sports. I feel like I've heard they have (laughs) maybe, maybe like one or two, you know, nothing too big. Well, before we get on the college football tangent, because, Oh buddy, the takes have been flying with, 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 especially with the big 10, but we don't need to go there. Um, so I don't I don't know the best way to get the the whole NBA our NBA episode kicked off conversation kicked off but I but I but I'm gonna try so here's me trying. Um, who would you say? I think we should start with the draft, right? Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. All right, who would most you say? The, most of the time, it's fair. Most of the Is that time. fair? Well, because I know there've been some free agent moves too. Yeah. yeah, no. Um, yeah, start with the draft. It's chronological. It's chronological. All right, I want I want you guys to talk to me about who, which teams had the best draft. They're like had really good drafts, and you can tell me what your definition of good is. Matters to Scott. Yeah, in this yeah. case, the teams that had good drafts were. Let's see. The Spurs drafted Vassell, right? And then um, what's his face? The wing from Florida State, or um, sorry, that from Iowa State, Halliburton. You go to oh, yeah, the he Kings. Went to, uh, he went to Sacramento, the Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those guys went eleven and yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. I was about to say, about to say his name's Halliburton. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh. Those guys went 11 and 12, and I think a lot of people had them going higher, definitely in the top 10, you know, not quite to the top five. But basically, those are two good value picks that everybody unanimously agreed. Neither of these guys should be there at 11 and 12, and yet they both were. So that was a very good draft for them. And I start there. Halliburton in particular. Yeah. And and Vassell, the other guy, is just one of those guys that, like, it's very easy to see how he's just going to be a pro player for a long time and just kind of slot into, like, pretty much any team construction. Which, once you start getting outside, like, the top five, a lot of times that's really what you're hoping for. Um, and we st- I started at 11 and 12 because there aren't any, like, super surefire, quote-unquote surefire, top guys to like care about a ton you know there was no like oh this is this is the team that got Zion like they're the one that did a great job or like you know it certainly was no LeBron there's like a handful of guys where it's like I don't know if you squint real hard they might like sniff the hall of fame hey I was glad Ant-Man Edwards uh, was a number one pick um, I, I had this creeping suspicion when he committed to play for the University of Georgia 
that I wasn't going to live up to expectations in some ways. I was thinking maybe instead of averaging 30 points a game, he'd average maybe like 20 points a game. And it turns out that his time as a George Bulldog was cut short by a pandemic and the team sucked anyway, so it didn't matter. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he was still the leading scorer for freshmen nationally. It's like he had a he had a very mixed bag of a year. Yeah, that's kind of the deal with him as a prospect too, right? Right. Right. I mean, he did have one just absolutely incredible half against uh, Michigan State where he put up, I think, 30 points in the second half with thermonuclear. Hit everything and everything. The problem and, is that was like the fourth game of the season, right? Yes. And yes. then, <laughs> nah, so then a lot stage, of it's hello and then not, you know, way, way, way too much. Um, at least meaningful in terms of wins uh, afterwards. That was a, yeah, that was a depressing stretch of games because it would always be, oh, look at these great uh, Anthony Edwards highlights. Look at all these, you know, this run he made late in the second half. They would still lose. Didn't matter. But it was good style point. Yeah. But that, that game against Michigan State was basically the example of his very high upside, both like athletically and, you know, potential skill-wise. And, uh, yeah, in a year without a, a clear top guy, he ended up getting paid a lot of money to go to Minnesota and buy a lot of jackets. Mm-hmm. He's going to need so, it. So, Scott, you're saying the Kings had a pretty good draft. And what was the other team you mentioned? The Spurs. The Spurs. Which one of those is probably a very normal answer, and one of those is a very not normal answer. The idea of saying, oh, the Kings had a good draft is just like, yeah, that's wild. Kevin, would you agree with that? Do you have any other teams? Yeah, those two teams I think did really well. The Spurs, uh, Devin Vassell is – a prototypical three and D wing. He was, um, I think an above 40% shooter from three point range, um, throughout uh, this past season led, uh, Florida state in scoring. And that fills a clear need for the Spurs who are in the spot of right about to probably launch a reset, um, for their franchise, uh, which has been going strong since Bill Clinton was in office. Um, this past season was the first time they missed the playoffs since Bill Clinton was in office. Um, is that real? So, yeah. Yeah. The Spurs dynasty is built on the, the hardworking labor of Monica Lewinsky. I knew it. <laughs> it was. I remember, I will say, I remember when we were in college, Scott, and you lived over at, I uh, wasn't in that place. Polo club. Y'all would give, I don't remember if it was you or somebody else would just give so much grief to Tim Duncan. Cause he was just not he would never dunk the ball when he should have. He would lay it up. <laughs> and that was crazy. Who was it that hated that? It never bothered me. I, I thought it was funny, but yeah. Some people Is Jamie, was never it Jamie or Ricky or, was it your brother? I can't remember. Oh, Jamie loved it. Jamie loved it. All about the fundies. Yeah, I mean, you don't get a nickname like the big fundamental for, you know, just like jaw dropping plays. <laughs> I mean, if Tim Duncan had like, it, I guess the prototypical Tim Duncan shot was a bank shot. Yeah. Like maybe like a 15 foot banker. Always from that little logo inside the arc. So I mean, you don't yeah. get, you don't get that type of nickname for, uh, 
highlight reel jams or (laughs) (laughs) shooting from half court. It also doesn't help the fact that he looked like a grown-up version of Littlefoot from uh, The Land Before Time. Is that the dinosaur <laughs> movie? Yeah. You're correct. He, look, he looked like an old, wise dinosaur Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about Tim Duncan was when he would shoot free throws because, and you should, you should you know, go watch the clips because he would you know dribble the ball a few times and then have this just intense look on his face as he's staring down the rim for a few seconds and then a quick shot. <laughs> you just got to make sure that you show that room who's boss and get the intimidation factor going. Absolutely. So Absolutely. is it possible to have a bad draft in the NBA? Because I know that a lot of picks, there's not as many like, like the NFL, you got like tons of rounds and tons of players. NBA it's really usually, I mean, Scott, you've told me this a lot. It's usually like a handful of players and the rest is really just rolling the dice. Well, and part of it too is just people that are used to following other sports, especially like football, where there's a lot more rounds and baseball where there's, you know, practically an infinite number of rounds. Yeah, a billion people rounds. just aren't like calibrated that much on what it means, right? So in the NFL, you pick a guy in the third round there's a chance he's a pretty good player. There's also a chance that, like, you know, he's not that impactful. And you could do an okay job of picking a third round and get a guy that's just okay. Right? Mm-hmm. But third round is, like, not even halfway through the draft. That's like a late first rounder in the NBA. Right. So you could right. do an okay job in the late first round and you get a guy that is okay and plays in the NBA for six years. Like, that's, a, on average, a pretty decent pick at 25. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different like, calibration is a, a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely teams that like screw it up, like the New York Knicks, pretty consistently. <laughs> They're good at that. Can I uh, can I ask about a New York Knicks pick because his <laughs> name just screams at me? Tell me uh, about yeah. and now tell me if I pronounce this correctly. But tell me about a uh, Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, that's right. <laughs> is that a last name or both a first and a last name? First and last. It does sound like a, a, a aside from, even though it, you know, it does have Obi-Wan Kenobi connotations, but it does sound like a Star Wars name. You know, bounty hunter Obi Toppin playing power forward for the uh, New York Knicks. What's the, the yeah. skinny on him? His real name is Obadiah, so I feel a little bit better now. <laughs> Obadiah Toppin. <laughs> I had to look it up. I'm like, there's no way this guy's name is Obi, like Obi Wan. So the thing is, he was the uh, AP Player of the Year in college basketball out of the uh, University of Dayton. Really talented offensive player, can shoot, um, highlight real dunks. Maybe not on the, uh, maybe not on the level of like Zion Williamson, but he has uh, he has some flair to his game too. So that actually was a pretty decent pick for the Knicks. Um, now, in terms of positionally how he fits, it's going to be interesting for them because last offseason, leading into uh, this past season, the Knicks decided to corner the market on like every power forward imaginable. And Whoa. Toppin, I, I don't think you'd want him playing the three. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks are going to fill out their roster. But I mean, this is a, a local kid. He grew up in New York. Um, I think in uh, maybe Brooklyn or something. I think he's from New York city. So he had a very emotional uh, moment interview right after, which was 
kind of par for the course for this draft, um, which we can get into that if you want to, like, you know, just how, you know, um, during the broadcast, they like asking draft picks about like the darkest hours of their lives when family members have died and everything like that. Seriously, they did that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yes. It's become very melodramatic. It's almost emotionally voyeuristic uh, in some I ways. Watching. <laughs> I believe it, and I'm, and I'm annoyed by it. I think yeah. every producer's meeting of college game day, they sit around the table and ask, okay, so are there any players who have cancer right now? Are there any coaches who have cancer? Are there any coaches' players who – coaches' wives who have is there cancer? Anyone, is there anyone here willing to give someone cancer? <laughs> oh, no one? Okay. <laughs> I literally, I know, I'm glad you brought that up because ga- game day is a perfect example. I'm always just rolling my eyes, like, really? I mean, I don't, I feel bad for the person, but also I feel bad that they're making it like, I don't know, like over, over dramatizing the, the thing to get people to feel, I don't know. It does feel, what, the, way, the way you put it is perfect, Kevin. Emotionless, emotional well, voy- voyeurism, is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll say it was really, this is, I'll, I'll I'll get back on topic, but I'll say it was really weird the year that uh, Arkansas State's head coach had passed away of cancer, and then he his first game coming back was actually uh, at UGA, and I went to that game and wore the pink ribbon, and everybody was wearing pink, and it was a big story. But I was kind of I kind of had this weird feeling like I don't know if we care as much about uh, this guy's deceased wife and his family as much as we care about the image it gives us as a fan base so it's kind of weird yeah it's his, his, his wife is the one who passed away i think initially you said he was the one that passed away oh, so yeah, i was yeah. like i was like they just wheeled they just wheeled his corpse onto the sideline there by the way by the hedges hey, hey he's free hey hey speaking of paul pierce um we'll get back on the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll cut that out you don't no, no, you're out. good. You're good. I just thought it was funny. It's, uh, <laughs> anytime I can take a Paul Pierce jab, I'm going to get it in there. What about oh, Paul Pierce? Pierce? Tell us about my favorite former Celtic. Scott Scott's he favorite sports He grew facial hair like a 14-year-old, and he pretended to be injured and took like a fake wheelchair off to like the locker room at halftime and then came jogging back. Like some like WWE I, nonsense. I remember that. I mean, might as well have like played some like WWE music or something. I think he admitted not too long ago that he just really had to take a poop. <laughs> <You're joking. laughs> I wheeled out because he had to go I, drop a dude. I too get wheelchaired to the bathroom when I need to poop. He's like, I can't, I, I'm, I, I can't move right now, y'all. If I move, it's gonna be bad on live television. Just wheel me back there. It's the truth. <laughs> It's well, the they truth. do wear those, those white jerseys. Don't you know? You, you can't hide it. <laughs> they were wearing. They were wearing the, They were wearing the whites that day. Mm. Oh yeah. man, you don't Maybe want to see Kelly marks. <laughs> Maybe the Kelly Green can hide it, but then it's just. Uh, Maybe. Well, okay. Moving on. Talk to me about <laughs> this crazy offseason stuff. I have seen players going left and right. Most notably, was it Houston that's getting exploded? Yeah, Houston is on the verge verge of imploding, Um, Imploding, shall we say. Russell Westbrook, who is uh, the player that they traded Chris Paul for because their main superstar, James Harden, wanted to play with Russell Westbrook, who he started his career with in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. They traded a lot of picks uh, to Oklahoma City and pick swaps uh, for what amounted to one year of Russell Westbrook before Westbrook said, I want to get out of here. 
And they traded him to Washington, uh, to the Wizards, for John Wall and a protected first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially oh, John Wall, a player who hasn't been on the court for about two years um, with a really? few different injuries, an ankle injury, then a torn Achilles. So, And that, uh, that protected first-round pick, the way that works is most likely that is not a first-round pick. Most likely in like five years, it turns into like a second round pick. And that's when, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it converts into two seconds, but I don't remember the details. So question, okay. I know you said John Wall hasn't played in two years. Mm-hmm. So there's no way of knowing if he's still any good. Uh, I mean, he's rumors, you know, from guys who've been playing pickup games uh, together in the off season said he'd look good. Um, we won't really know till he actually takes the court. Mm-hmm. Um, but should be an interesting situation. It was uh, two disgruntled star point guards on very difficult, shall we say, contracts. Owed a lot of money, $40 million plus for a couple seasons. Wow. And two guys who just needed a change of scenery. And that was a, a natural fit for uh, both of them. The assumption being, especially from Houston's side, that cleared by James Harden, he wants to play with John Wall. Didn't want to play with Russell Westbrook anymore, even if they're good friends. Uh, and then for Westbrook's side, it gives him an opportunity to kind of go back to the main ball handler, um, playmaker um, role that he had in Oklahoma City. And, and in Houston, that's James Harden. So Westbrook was kind of sitting back, waiting for his turn. He's not really much of a jump shooter or a spot-up shooter. He actually does most of his you know damage and production with the ball in his hands. So felt like that would be good, but now different wrinkle is Harden's asked Houston for a trade. He wants out. So what now we're, uh, we're kind of waiting it's, to see what happens there. Gone, yeah. It's, like, it's kind of gone a little step or two further than just James Harden has asked for a trade. It's at yep. the point now yep. where the team has showed up and the team is practicing. James Harden has not showed up. And James Harden is not practicing. This part up to here, not that unusual when a big star in the NBA asks for a trade. Mm-hmm. However, in the midst of said pandemic, it is very easy to get on Instagram, et cetera, and go see all five clubs that James Harden is partying in every night all across the country while he's not in training. It's literally like, oh, here he is at a strip club in Atlanta on Monday. Oh, look at that. Here he is at this club in LA on Tuesday. Oh, Wednesday is Las Vegas. And he's like, yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll show up and be in Houston any day now. Yeah. It's possible he's just going for the refreshments. They have, must have good wings, I hear. Right. <laughs> he's just, well, he actually has his, it. he actually has his jersey retired at a Houston strip club. They have his jersey <laughs> hung in the rafters. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's known for this. I can't Oh my god! Oh, oh he's so, made a rant. So we can say we can say um, Harden has sampled the chicken wings at you know adult establishments throughout the land. He's a connoisseur. He's yes. a connoisseur of chicken wings. Connoisseur, yes. Oh my god! No, but he actually, uh, I think he did report to uh, Houston today. And now he has to go okay. through about six days of testing um, negative for COVID. So he did his first COVID test today in Houston. But so the fact of the matter is he's missing out on practices. He's going to miss out on 
few preseason games, which actually doesn't mean as much. But um, he's finally showed up, but he clearly wants out. And um, he did have one team in mind, at least initially reported. He wanted to go to Brooklyn to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But now um, recent reports suggest that he's open to go to any contender. Another natural fit would be Philadelphia, the 76ers, where uh, Houston's former president of basketball operations, Daryl Morey, has been in Houston for the last maybe 12 years, resigned um, this offseason, telling the owner that he wanted at least a year off to spend with his family, and then two days later, took the same gig in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> all right man like <laughs> when are when are players gonna learn that active players are not good at being gms right like arden basically made them get rid of chris paul who mm-hmm. by the way is basically a perfect fit and perfect compliment of how he plays mm-hmm. with with harden it's with like harden. you can't find a better fit of a star right right um, That's great fit. And so instead, it's like, hey, I want my buddy Russell Westbrook, who needs to have the ball in his hands 100% of the time, but also the ball's in my hands 100% of the time. So you make mm-hmm. it happen. And then, oh, look at that. Lo and behold, it doesn't work. And then he's like, <laughs> hey, I want to go play with my buddies in Brooklyn because they got two guys that need the ball 100% of the time, and I need the ball 100% of the time. And so let's do more of this. But they get to have the ball three hundred percent of the time, Scott. The math works out. Just got to follow the numbers. Right. I follow the numbers, man. Uh, so, so uh, it's safe to say that Houston is on the verge of imploding. Um, Houston, right. we have a problem. Right? Wah, are there wah, any? Are there any teams around? Had to do it. I know you had to. Are there any other teams around the NBA um, that are? Um, having similar drama. I mean, probably not to that same scale. Uh, not to that same scale, or at least not there's a as couple public places, right now. Yeah, so there's a couple places with potential drama, mm-hmm. but there's not any like actual drama. And with one good season, there's like negative 100% drama, and so you know, oh, right. <laughs> I mean, the main storyline for this season is going to be Milwaukee and what's going to happen with Giannis, uh, who's a two-time MVP, MVP of the league the last two seasons, and now has the possibility to sign a Supermax five-year extension with the Bucks. So everyone's kind of looking at that. <clears throat> and he has, I think, just a little bit over another week or two, week or so to sign that contract, and then it's off the table at least until next offseason. So... You can be an unrestricted free agent next offseason. And everyone's wondering what's going to happen. Is he going to commit to Milwaukee long term? If he doesn't, what does Milwaukee do with that? Do they play out the season and risk you know, maybe losing him for nothing? Um, what do you do with that? So that's where a lot of eyes are in the league as well. Mm-hmm. But that's not as public and as imminent as Harden. Weren't the Clippers yeah. having some drama? Because I saw something with, I think it was yeah, uh, George and Kawhi Leonard were not showing up practice, and other players yeah. were kind of, you know, pissed. Yeah, the Clippers are in a very interesting situation because for, over the last few years, at least since um, the Lob City era ended, 
with uh, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin when they all left town. Uh, the Clippers pretty much their identity was very blue collar. Um, a lot of players who were taken later in the draft, be it later in the first round or in the second round, guys who had uh, kind of been in and out of the league and things like that, in and out of the D League, um, G League. Um, so it was a very blue collar, a lot of um, guys just playing hard every single day. And then last summer, Kawhi Leonard decides to go there. And a part of him going there was uh, essentially an understanding. Uh, communicated to the Clippers that, hey, if you want me, if you don't want me to sign with LeBron and Anthony Davis with the Lakers, you have to trade for Paul George. So they brought Paul George in. Um, and part of that this past season was an organization that has been you know, very much run and built on you know, guys who are hard workers, um, not necessarily liking the fact that the organization is now catering more to star players and guys who want to, you know, maybe take a few games off here and there, take some practice off here and there. Kawhi, who lives towards San Diego, um, reports recently were, um, especially during this season, sometimes he was late to the chartered flights because of traffic, because that is a two to two and a half hour drive every day. Wow. So there was um, there was a lot of chemistry issues in the locker room, and it's worth noting just from like a general big picture outlook, they had a playoff team, and then they added you know an all star or all star plus, and you know like uh, an all NBA level player definitely in Kawhi. So they had a good team, and they added their two best players, so they had very high expectations. Mm-hmm. Then they did not win the title because one team wins the title despite eight teams all having expectations of winning a title. Mm. So they're also, you know, from the media standpoint, has to be a referendum on what went wrong and why it didn't work. <laughs> despite the fact that nobody's ever thrown their stars together on a new team and won in the first year. So. Part yeah, so of it is like, oh, we didn't win it, so it's storylines, baby. And I don't know. But what do you do? You. What do you do if you're, uh, if you're like a general manager, and you tell your boss like, I don't think we're going to win this year, or maybe not the next year? Isn't that? Do you think that's part of sort of GM culture and keeping your job? Is selling this yeah. idea you could win now? So, I mean, like, for example, if the owner wanted to fire the GM or the coach because they didn't win in their first year with the team, mm-hmm. then it's probably a bad owner because that's not a realistic expectation. Mm-hmm. Granted, they can also still say that publicly because a lot of public people or, like, fans might have had that expectation. So you say, oh, they didn't do what they're supposed to, and so you fire them. And everybody's like, yeah, that sounds good even though it's just everybody agreeing to be dumb, like at the same time. Right. But I, I mean, there's like lots of places, you know, where you have coaches or GMs that come into like a rebuilding project and they have like a timeline, right? They're like, okay, we know that we're going to be bad for two or three or four years. And then we want to, you know, be this good and this good and this good. And they have like these long plan, like, you know, timetables. So 
there's plenty of times I'm sure where, yeah, people say we're not going to be good this year. We're not going to be in the playoffs this year. We're not going to win a title this year. Yeah. And you don't, you don't have too many GMs who are like, who have that role like in perpetuity. Like you don't have many rich McKay's, um, you know, they bring up the Falcons a little bit, the, end of the, the Atlanta Falcons guys who just kind of stick around and find ways to stick around without being productive or um, at least having kind of sustain, sustained success um, for a period of time. So you do see almost like any sport, you know, um, especially if they're coming in and it's a situation where it's going to be a rebuild. That's kind of a part of the deal of them stepping into the role. Um, Mm-hmm. But then other times you have to pivot. Um, you have to pivot and start rebuilding and uh, do the best that you can. And sometimes Take you're in the middle of a rebuild and mm-hmm. the owner decides they're tired of losing and getting made fun of by their rich friends. And they say, screw it. It's time to win now. And mm-hmm. that's why the 76ers fired their GM and abandoned the process. Really? Yep. Dang. Yeah. Um, Which, ironically enough, uh, the GM for the process, Sam Hinkie, was hired from Houston, and he was working under Daryl Morey, who is now their president of basketball operations. Phyllis. And Daryl Morey came in and immediately cleaned up all the mess that happened, all the dumb news just about that happened between Hinkie and Morey by the the win. Now we got a. Stop the process, guy. Well, you um, also had, uh, you also had, uh, I guess they brought in Brian Colangelo, I believe, um, to replace mm-hmm. Sam Hinkie in Philly. He started yeah. doing a couple of things, and then he uh, kind of fell into uh, Twitter burner gate, where it came out. Um, the Ringer actually had broken the story that uh, Colangelo had these burner Twitter accounts where he was you know, going back and forth with people and sharing sensitive information about players and trying to kind of Whoa. defend himself. And somehow it got tracked down that these accounts were affiliated with, um, Colangelo. They were Colangelo's accounts and he ended up having to kind of step away uh, from the organization. <laughs> wow. Sounds like he no idea. To have a mm-hmm. sabbatical from basketball, maybe have his phone taken away for an extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll just, he actually just he announced that the 76ers were going to self-impose a bowl game ban on themselves for that year. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, the good old self-imposed bowl ban. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for the record, that's what LSU did today for this season because they're oh, I, know. I saw that. All I know you were talking about. No. Oh gosh. What was wait, I missed this. What was that, Scott? LSU has potentially a Baylor level like sexual assault scandal that has been oh. brewing up and being investigated. And oh. so now in the midst of that, they're like two and five and everybody's leaving their team. And they said, we're self-imposing <laughs> a bowl ban for ourselves for this year. That is what we call uh, taking an L. It's uh, called weak sauce. I did see there were a lot of players transferring out. I thought, this is interesting. Some of these are like true freshman guys who have lots of eligibility. Now, was that stemming yeah. from like the Darius Geist stories that came out a couple months ago? I think it may have been. We lost. Um, 
uh, I don't know. What, I, I I didn't know it was like Baylor level. I really didn't. I thought they were just trying to be cute and post. Does that mean the, Jerry Falwell and, was at LSU? So, well, John, I'm saying it's like potentially Baylor level. It hasn't gotten that far, but like, uh, okay. There it is in the process of things like starting to be uncovered or turning up or whatever. It it seems like it's headed that way. But, I feel you know, you. results TBD still. Right. Yeah. Right. And, Welp. Well, speaking of going back to rebuilds, I uh, I found this headline from the Athletic to be uh, just to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Awesome, it ma- terrible. It didn't, make, it didn't make sense to me, but it uh, but also it did fit the Atlanta Hawks. This is from Chris Kirshner. <laughs> Long live the Hawks rebuilding process. Semicolon. Atlanta is ready to win. Hmm. Two of those things don't go to. One of those things doesn't belong. Is Atlanta <laughs> ready to win, y'all? I think uh, they are. Yeah, think they it are. depends on what you mean by win. Mm-hmm. But win, at, win games. Yeah, they'll win games. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. We'll win games. Yeah, yeah so pretty much the like Hawks. Sniff a championship right now. Yeah, they're not going to do that, but they should at least contend for the playoffs this year. Um, they have a, I guess, in kind of a unspoken at least publicly but uh reports have been there's an organizational mandate from ownership that guys you got to push for the playoffs this year or we may need to look to start taking making some changes it could be at coaching it could be at general manager even though i think it probably started with coaching but the hawks have loaded up um they were the most active team in free agency at least in terms of signing free agents they had the most money to spend and they brought in some really key veterans who should be able to help them do that. They brought in uh, Danilo Gallinari, who is a great shooter. He's a playmaker at the four position. And they're going to bring him in to back up John Collins, at least initially, and also uh, provides you know, shooting and uh, office and punch. They also brought in uh, a restrictive free agent, Bogdan Bogdanovich from Sacramento most recently, who's, again, playmaker. Shooter extraordinaire as well. And they also brought in some defensive help. They signed a guy named Chris Dunn from the Chicago Bulls. He's one of the best wing defenders, guard slash wing defenders. Um, Specialist in the league, struggles on offense, but um, should help them um, at least in terms of guarding at least two to three positions. And then also Rajon Rondo, fresh off of the championship, coming into – be a veteran leader, mentor, work with Trey Young, provide some uh, playmaking in the second unit as well. So they've been pretty active. Those are at least the big name signings they had. Man, I love <laughs> on the job trade on the job training sport. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, um, and then the other one that's not a free agent signing, um, but it was an addition is Clint Capella, will be the starting center, and. Uh, they yeah. traded for him last season uh, when he was injured. He came over from the Rockets. And uh, the Rockets were getting rid of him because once James Harden forced the team to trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, the team realized, oh, Russell Westbrook can't shoot, so we can't play a lineup with anybody else that can't shoot. Even if he's a big man who's just supposed to play defense and his job isn't to shoot, can't play him with Russell Westbrook. So they had to just ship Capella out. And we said, he's good. We'll take him. 
So yeah, so the Hawks got him at the deadline, but he was injured and never played. And you know, shortened season too um, means that we haven't seen him with the unit yet. Yeah, and, and nothing to be. play for too, right? The season was, you know, they right. weren't. There's no reason to like rush him back from injury to like, no. I don't know, finish thirteenth instead or something. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. So yeah, okay. Um, no, so their whole yeah. rotation, especially the second unit, is very. The Hawks' second unit is gonna be very different this year <laughs> than last yeah. year. They're oh, yeah. playing. You know, they they're most of their second unit last season was you know in all fairness guys who were on contracts who were there just because the hawks wanted to get more picks for taking bag deals so the guys who weren't going to be there in the plans long term um now they have a roster that works a lot better um is ready to contend now and also a roster where a guy who's not you know you don't have a 40 two 43 year old Vince Carter playing meaningful minutes for you uh, in your <laughs> rotation. <laughs> I mean, we love Vince. Vince is a legend, but um, if he's playing, you know, maybe 15 minutes a, a night for you at age 43, that's probably not the best thing in the world. Um, probably, probably not, not going to win too many games that way. Uh, hey, if they're uh, sniffing the playoffs, that excites me because frankly, I even miss the days when, Josh Smith and Al Horford did just enough to get them there and then completely disappear. Yeah, I miss those days too. At least we got to watch them play in the playoffs. Yeah. I now, went one to thing, the Hawks. One thing that's going to be interesting about this season is um, even if you're the seventh or eighth seed, you're still not going to be guaranteed a playoff spot because they're uh, adding um, or continuing this play in option that they uh, debuted in the bubble uh, this past season. So. The seventh and eighth seeds are going to be playing games against the ninth and tenth teams, uh, respectively, um, where they have a you know two essentially two chances to win one game to get in. Wow! Yeah, they did a. They pulled it's a major like baseball. Maybe a little bit off, but it's be similar to that. Yeah. Okay. It's it's to incentivize teams to not tank. And add a couple extra playoff games onto the schedule for revenue purposes. Ah. So, but it, it does like all of these type of things open up the door where like the eight seed is like six games better than the nine seed. Right. But then they have to like play a game against the nine seed to really be in the playoffs and the eight seed has somebody injured and they lose. You're like, great, thanks for making this better team play an, a meaningless game when we already know who's better that they like lost because of a fluke or you know. Um it won't matter a ton because the eighth seed is generally just a sacrificial lamb to the one seed. It's not like a lot of other sports where you have like a lot of big upsets in the playoffs. Yeah. Um yeah. or at least less so than other sports, so I mean, you've only had two um, eight seeds beat one seeds in the NBA playoffs in the last maybe 13, 14 years. Yeah, I and mean, one of them Miami. was because of a Derrick Rose was in his heyday and he got injured and the Bulls, mm-hmm. who were the number one seed that year, lost to the Sixers in the first round. They were an eight seed. But uh, before that, a couple of years before that, Dallas, uh, the Mavericks were a one seed and they lost to uh, 
Golden State, the We Believe Warriors back in, oh gosh, what was it? 2007? Something like that? 7, 8? I think it was 7. That's many iterations yep. of the Warriors ago. But, I mean, yes. right. Miami, Miami this past year, the Heat, they were a four seed, right? And they made it to the finals. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely five. unusual for a four seed. Oh, they were a five? No. That's, yeah, yeah anyway, I think Indy was the four seed. Mm-hmm. It's very unusual for somebody seeded that low to make the finals. Whereas, like, if you go, you know, to the NFL comparison again, wild card teams make the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, and it's not that weird, right? That would never mm-hmm. happen in NBA. In the NBA, the wildcard team has won like twice ever effectively to make an analogy. So, right. So the Hawks are basically expecting to kind of be that, you know, one of those last couple seeds in the sort of like wildcard level and then just get shellacked by an actual like title competing team in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm ready for that shellacking. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to build and get there. You can't go from bad to like winning a title overnight, or even being like a high seed overnight. It, it takes multiple years of improving. So, mm-hmm. well, is there anything else NBA related that we should touch on other than how the Hawks, how we would just rejoice in the Hawks being mediocre to to pretty good? Functional, baby. That's our word for this year. Functional. Functional, yes. Hey, if they get if they make a playoff game and they're playing, uh, it's not the Phillips anymore. It's now the State Farm State Arena. Farm. State Farm. I'd go because that's that's my my lone NBA experience was going to a playoff game in the Pacers, and it went from normal atmosphere of mostly dead to you know a few huzzas and hurrah, hawk squawks. And that was fun. <laughs> you enjoy it, what it is. Is that when uh, Paul George was on the Pacers? Oh yeah, the all, the the uh, the best, I, probably the best iteration we've had of the Pacers recently because it was him and just all those guys. I can't remember Ibaka, uh, probably Hibbert, Hibbert. Hibbert yeah, sorry, I maybe George Hill, yeah. David West, maybe. Yeah, I was I was thinking of the guy who was in uh, Parks and Rec. He was on that team. <laughs> Yeah, that's him. Deadlift Shrimp, but Paul. Yeah, Deadlift. Deadlift Deadlift. Shrimp. One of the greatest names in sports history. Deadlift Shrimp. Oh, man. There's a. I know what I wanted to. I don't know if this is a good thing to end on, but I did see. I forget who, where I posted it, but it was a a chart of all the nationally televised NBA games for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. And it was like a, I guess it was like a histogram bar graph thing. And like obviously mm-hmm. Lakers are one, and it just went all the way down to like the crap of the crap at the bottom. Or like four mm-hmm. or five teams with zero. Hawks coming in with like one. One. <laughs> yeah, baby. Which, Kevin, which is I think you're really, probably at like four or five, so that's pretty good. One is like pretty stupidly low. It's kind of hard to tell if it's meaningful because they've only released the first half of the schedule. So uh, yeah. the second half of the schedule, you know, they haven't released it. Um, oh, that was just half. Like, okay, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, but at least just with what we have right now, one is pretty stupidly low. The teams that were down there with zero are like complete trash. There were not other teams that have, that are expected to be in the playoffs with one game. 
And the thing with the freaking Hawks is the thing they're actually good at is playing offense and scoring. So in generally, that's like a, a funner, more watchable brand of basketball, right? So that chick stick the long ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of where it's like, hey, the Hawks are going to be, you know, around 500-ish probably for a lot of the season. They'll be way above average as far as, like, if they're fun to watch or not. Right. Yeah, there could be a fun team to watch. Way below average as far as uh, nationally televised games. The one nationally televised game, too, is so obnoxious. (laughs) I would have rather they're just goose egg. It's against (laughs) Dallas. Is it at Dallas? I, I think it's at, at Dallas. Schedule, so I'm not too sure. Against, that, I know it's against that Dallas. That makes sense. I think it's yeah. at Dallas. So it's literally just them talking about how great Luca is and, oh, too bad the Hawks don't have Luca. That's the one nationally televised game. Well, you missed out on the German. Well, if he plays. Um, Wait, is he German? Because, no, he's a Slovenian. I'm an idiot. Yeah, but I think <laughs> this last season, Luca didn't <laughs> play like, in either uh, game. I was like, you think it's right? It's dodging him. (laughs) (laughs) And one of those I know because my brother took me there um, for my birthday because I wanted to see, you know, Luca and the Mavs play Trey and the Hawks, and Luca sat out that game. Oh, man. Uh, Speaking of which, speaking of which, the NBA did have a statement where they mandated Mm -hmm. and said, Basically, you cannot sit star players out for nationally televised games. Right. Yeah. Which really, is, they have to make a, that mandate. Mm-hmm. So it's already a rule that you can't just rest your players because you want to rest them for any game. Mm-hmm. But man, you guys, one, it's not man, very, you it's not enforceable, right? Like you can't say, "Oh, that guy's not hurt," and he's like, "I don't know, man. I strained my quad or something." Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's the regular season. It's like long, like baseball. Like, guys get days off, right? So, for this season, the NBA is like, okay, unofficially, you can rest your players as much as you want to. Just don't do it on primetime games. Right. Yeah, I think they said something like they could, you know, fines of $100,000 or more um, for just resting players without legitimate injuries because, you know, load management has become a very – popular term over the last couple of years um, yeah you saw that a lot with the clippers last year where Kawhi leonard pretty much didn't play a back-to-back or if he did it was just maybe one or two it was very few um yeah i mean that's always been an issue um especially more so when there are fans um in the stadiums and the arenas and you have teams with these superstar players who are on the road Typically, you know, the home teams will jack up the prices for tickets uh, to see them. I mean, think of anytime LeBron James comes to Atlanta, the tickets are at least four times what they usually are. At least I think Um, it's pretty, pretty exorbitant. And then imagine paying all that money and then he just sits out for no apparent reason. Like there's no injury. It's just "Eh, I'm going to take a night off. Mm -hmm. So that's been something the, the league's been trying to figure out and resolve for a long time. I mean, one of the most infamous, uh, one of the most infamous examples I can think of, and this is from you know years and years ago. This is from um, kind of the early 2010s, with uh, the Spurs were going to Miami to play the Big Three, and you know nationally televised game and everything. And Greg Popovich 
sent Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker home the night before to send them back to San Antonio and didn't play any of them. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty blatant. Yeah. <clears throat> so but, so this time they're saying, to do with that. just don't make it obvious and don't do it on the big-time TV games. Right. Yeah, and keep that TV people. money. People are dumb enough not to notice. Right. It's not about fooling people, right? It's about making sure people watch the big games and it keeps the like the networks happy. <laughs> it's basically this. I mean, the, uh, if we're being honest, the schedule for this year is being run by the networks. Like mm-hmm. the networks had the most say over the schedule, and then came like the NBA. Yeah, and okay. as Scott said earlier, there was you know especially. You know, in the months leading into the season, there was a lot of talk of, oh, well, maybe Christmas is going to be a little too early to start. Even uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner, said that in an interview th- saying, you know, I think Christmas, that seems a little too early for me. Um, and then the players were pretty adamant they wanted to come back no sooner than maybe around Martin Luther King Day, mid-January. But then, you know having you know surveyed the situation seeing the financial ramifications waiting that extra month um would have cost the league about i think um 500 million dollars or something so they did an about face uh, <laughs> on the rhetoric and <laughs> pushed to start earlier you like playing basketball obi tippin let me tell you something. You got to keep the networks happy. You don't know what it takes to keep the networks happy. <laughs> and then you know it kind of came down to the players and the players were like i don't know that's pretty early and the nba is like did you read the numbers and then the players mm-hmm. said okay see you in december yeah <laughs> man yeah. the freaking networks man hashtag ohio state mm-hmm. <laughs> we're talking about the bucks yep those those uh those old buckeyes they uh, the rules were, were ch- heaven and earth bent uh, by the will of the Buckeyes and Ryan Day. We'll talk about that in another podcast. I just I, <laughs> I, I, couldn't believe, I couldn't believe they did that. But also, I, can. I can't believe I, it. I was say I can't believe that anybody thought they weren't going to do that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Literally everything about the season is made up. <laughs> so like, they're not going to change the made up rules to help them. Yeah, you got a good point. Ugh. Yeah, I think I saw something earlier today. Someone had um, pointed out that the Big Ten has not had a team in the playoff, I think, two of the last three years. I don't know if that's completely true. Last year. Yeah. And I don't think they made it the year before. I think they finished pretty much the two previous years. Okay. Yeah, because they, they got their asses kicked by Purdue when they had Dwayne Haskins playing quarterback and they got really <laughs> mad that they had a 13 and one season. They basically didn't make it because you got your butt handed to you in the most embarrassing way possible by the Boilermakers. And they weren't even starting Drew Brees that day. No, so yeah. there's no reason. To <laughs> or <Purdue>. Kyle Orton. <laughs> or Kyle Orton. Yeah. Noted Purdue legend. Of course. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. I think one of those touchdowns they scored on a Ohio State was a Make a Wish Foundation thing. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> <laughs> they gave it to like a six year old, everyone cleared out of the way, <laughs> pretended to tackle him, diving was, like five feet away from him. <laughs> Do you think every college football team is this unlikable and I'm just blinded by, like, I'm a Georgia fan? Because, gosh, uh, Ohio State every, everybody, so everybody hates Ohio State. Yeah. It's, it's They're, like, so unlikable. Unlikable. They're so unlikable. They, uh, yeah. I, I would, they've, they've surpassed Texas because I know there used to be a lot of ire within the well, Big 12. Who hasn't against. surpassed Texas, okay? Who hasn't surpassed Texas? <laughs> I mean, the only oh reason why – Kansas has, Kansas State has, Texas Tech has. I would say in terms of unlikability, Texas has become like the entitled prince to now they're just Jar Jar Banks. And you kind of feel bad for them. I think Texas is averaging like six losses a year for the last decade. I think that's a, a very conservative estimate. I would have guessed six and a half losses. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's anyone more unliked than Ohio State right now, in this moment of college football history. Except by the networks and the Big Ten, because it's a lot of ratings and a lot of money. I feel like Gus Johnson is Ohio State's personal hype man. Like Gus Johnson, the YouTube star. No, Gus Johnson, the play-by-play guy for Fox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a huge Gus Johnson's fan, but I feel like any time like he calls an Ohio State game, he's always like, "Oh, the Buckeyes." See, I get that vibe from Herb Street too, even though I think he tries to hide it a little bit better. Well, he was an alum, so that makes yeah. sense. But I think he does good. But listen to well, Gus he's, Johnson he's call certainly... an Ohio State game. That's an experience. Herb, Herb Street has certainly accused other people of hiding very recently. He kind of said, oh, yeah, Florida State definitely ducked Clemson because they were scared of getting beat. And then he oh, said, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, and you know what? I'm pretty sure Michigan's going to pull that same thing and bail out on the Ohio State game just because they don't want to lose. And Michigan that, said, that, that's nonsense. And then like three days later, Michigan said, we're all sick. We're not playing the game. <laughs> we're so sick. We have this. After, after Herb Street had to get on national television and apologize for his statements. Then they were like, okay, thank you for your apology. We're out. Sounds like they won the game of three-dimensional chess. Oh, baby. So you were talking, this is so, okay, we, we need to like wind this up after this. But the, So you are talking about Texas, um, and it reminded me of, did y'all see their last game against Iowa State? Because they lost. Mm, they did. <laughs> and they lost, and they lost in, like, I don't, I, in, in like, not spectacular fashion, but it was just demoralizing. And I watched uh, like a like a what's it called like a little highlight of the game later, and Sam Erlinger, the human thumb, who's like Texas's quarterback, he he was like trying to bring him back in the game, and on the sideline though, you saw no like team spirit you saw no like high-fiving they just did not care and it was like sam so after post-game press conference after the loss they asked him about coaching and like trying to figure out how coaching is going and this is how he responded he said it's never fully on the coaching staff but that's the million dollar question everybody's trying to figure out for the last 10 years <laughs> the, no the answer has been 
the question's been answered. The team has pretty much bailed on Tom Herman, and it got so bad this past oh, week. I think Urban Meyer actually had to issue a statement and said he wasn't going to leave retirement to take the Texas job. Oh, man, that was funny. No. It's sad, but funny. It's Remember when also, every Georgia fan wanted to hire Tom Herman? Interesting question about Urban Meyer. Do you think Urban Meyer is going to leave retirement to take the Texas job? No, I, I think he'd take um, it. I don't know if it's specifically the Texas job. I don't think he's going to stay retired. I don't know. It's like the second, the second he says, I'm not leaving retirement to take the Texas job, I'm like, ooh. It's a, it's a good leaving sign. retirement to take the Texas job. Good job. You got him, Texas. Do you, uh, do you remember um, Zach Smith, his former assistant coach, who was beating his wife? Yeah, the one at Ohio State. And ordering ordering sex toys and having them delivered to the university, and also yeah, banging the secretary yeah. in his office. That guy, yeah, that guy. yeah, yeah. I, I listened to his podcast one time called "Menace to Society." Once he was a podcast. Yeah, and it was all about I'm a victim, man, because everyone just targets white men because we're all just seen as sexual predators, dude. Do you know what you You're did? You're an actual sexual predator. You're going to a strip club on like freaking state university credit cards. Wow. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how much. Uh, I listened to his show, which was once was good enough for me, but he touched on that question, yeah. and I don't know how much we can take his words seriously. But he did. He did just seem to think that USC is a job that's been on urban Myers sort of like list for years now. Cause he's, I think his wife's from California yeah. and they like being in the warm weather and I don't know. Is it old? It's just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's LA do what LeBron did. <laughs> Make, get your F you money. Maybe if you win a national championship, that's just bonus material. Right. You know? True. Yeah. Well, we have seriously digressed. We need to wind this up. So I want to thank Kevin for joining us and talking NBA. And Scott. hold on, hold on, Kevin. Kevin has to get at least a couple minutes to talk about his Portland team. Oh, yeah, I forgot tell about them Blazers. Yes, yeah. So maybe I can just riff on a few teams I thought did really well this off season. <clears throat> so Portland, Portland. Yes, <laughs> I am. An adopted Portland Trail Blazers fan, and I love what they did this offseason. So pretty much the the biggest issues that Portland had last year after you know the season before they made the conference finals. And they broke through, finally broke through and made the conference finals, and then took a step back last season. They ended up getting into the playoffs, but they had they were mired with injuries, some poor roster construction, especially on the wing. Um Wing defenders just didn't work out. They lost a few. They brought in a few. Just didn't, things just didn't work out. But for some reason, Carmelo didn't defend. He actually was better than I thought he would be on defense. So um, he did. He did a thing. He did a, a yeah. few things. Yeah, Carmelo ended up being pretty good um, overall. But this offseason, Portland had some really good moves. They traded for Robert Covington um, from Houston, who's a great three and D player um for houston he was playing you know more power forward because they were playing really small but portland's probably going to use him between you know either as a small forward or sometimes as a power forward they brought him in they brought in Derek jones jr from miami who's 
a freaky athletic three and D wing as well. Um, even though he's not as much of a shooter, he's probably more of a slasher, but really good defender. And he's also the reigning dunk champion. Um, so very athletic guy, uh, brought Carmelo back. He also brought back Enos Cantor, um, who was a part of their run to the Western conference finals season before that added a young guy and, um, Harry Giles, um, a young five who's had a lot of injury issues. He, I think he was heading out of high school. I think he was the number one overall recruit and they just had a rash of injuries. Went to Duke. He was, didn't play he was that definitely much. Like top three or top five at least. Yeah, he was, he was a really high, um, highly rated, highly touted player and possibly in contention for one of the top picks that year. Had several injuries and um, Sacramento took him in the 20s. So Portland has, they have a sneaky good team. And I think, you know, if everything falls their way, they could be in contention for um, home court advantage. I think they could be get as high as the four seed in the West this year. Wow. Wow. I'm very bullish on the Blazers. <laughs> Even though I feel like they're probably most likely outcomes, they're probably going to be somewhere between you know, seven and five, most likely. But I think I if everything pull. falls their way, they can get up to four. I will also pull for the Blazers because I have no other team other than, I guess, the Hawks, which, sure, go Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, both one of the great things about this season is both the Eastern and the Western conferences, there's going to be teams really pushing for those last couple seeds. The West is going to be a murderer's row. Just looking at it, there are maybe only uh, both three or four teams that may not be in contention in the West. Right. So there's a lot of fun stuff to look into. <clears throat> a lot of stuff to look out for this year. So Portland, really like Portland. And it should be a very entertaining season. Brooklyn, we're finally going to see Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie. Um, so they should be a high seed in the East. That team is going to be very interesting because of just the sheer like ability of it internally combusting. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be like, I'll be watching with my popcorn ready to see, you know, e- this either go like gangbusters or blow up in spectacular fashion. <laughs> Did you think that uh, you're talking about? Sorry, we're we're, st- we're you're talking about the uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets, yes. Did you think that Steve Nash was a good hire to be the coach? <laughs> yeah, I I'm conflicted about that because I really like Steve Nash. He was one of my favorite players. I think it can work, and I think he has. Uh, number one, the buy-in from the superstar players. He was, you know, a Hall of Fame point guard, so I think Kyrie Irving will respect him. I think they'll be able to communicate and work together, collaborate really well. Um, Steve Nash also has a really tight relationship with Kevin Durant because Nash was a consultant for Golden State when Durant was there, so they built you know, a pretty strong relationship and bond. And this was just like, you know, this is pretty much the only situation I think where Nash would, I don't want to say the only, but it, 
is very close to maybe being the only position where in the league where Nash would have been a first time coach would have gotten this job because Sean Marks, the uh, GM for Brooklyn, was one of Nash's teammates in Phoenix. So they have established history as well. But I think Nash will do pretty well. He has a strong um, uh, supporting cast with him of assistant coaches. Mike D'Antoni is going to run their offense, who was the architect of the seven seconds or less Suns when uh, Nash was there. So he has really, you know, deep roots with D'Antoni. Um, a lot of experience there as a head coach, um, as his top offensive assistant. And then Jacques Vaughn, who was the interim coach for Brooklyn, is going to be running the defense. So Nash has everything he needs to be successful. He has the star players. He has um, great, experienced coaches around him. And he has uh, an advocate for him in the front office as well. It does suck for Kenny Atkinson, who oh, yeah. was in his first head coaching job and was doing quite a very good job and was fired for not having been friends with KD already. <laughs> I mean, I love Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> and that was just such yeah. a bummer. He's a really good coach. It also makes me sad about how good a coaching staff the Hawks used to have. R.I.P. Yeah. Really good Hawks coaching staff. Oh, uh, what could have been? Yeah, he has a great scream face. I gotta say, <laughs> and I, I like the shape of his hair. It's like it's got it, hair shape. Yeah, it's like it's got the Lego hair factor where you can just take it off and put it back on, but it's got you know a little bit of you know ununiformity up top. Ununiformity. <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah, I'm totally just butchering the English language. Yeah, no, I love I'm it. surprised. I'm surprised Kenny Atkinson didn't get another job. He's a uh, as a head coach. He's an ass- yeah, that's crazy. It uh, Kevin, did you say something? We lost your audio for a second. Yeah, sorry. I just said I'm um, I'm amazed he didn't get a head coaching job, even though now he's going to be an assistant for the Clippers this year. Hmm. Well. But that's a yeah, that's a team to monitor. That could be everything can go as you'd expect, seeing it on paper, and it could also go completely opposite. You could see the paper go up in flames <laughs> with some of those personalities <laughs> they have there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I remember I sent that article about Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers because people are like this is really weird. How you know how are they be able to have this much? leverage within the organization i thought i thought every nba organization was just the tail wagging the dog so that this seems like it doesn't shock me when i hear about if a player wants a a guy fired like he's done he's gone like kevin durant's opinion is probably the most important in the organization Mm. yeah i mean that's just that's how the nba works right james harden was like flaunting the fact that he was at strip clubs instead of filling his contractual obligations with the team and the team had never had any intention of even like finding him or anything. Right. Like he just kind of, you know, breached his contract very blatantly and publicly for a couple weeks and then showed up because he knows that if he did it for like a month, then they might like fine him 50,000. Well, we got anything else oh. to talk about? No, I mean, I'm good. 
it was fun. I felt like I learned a lot about the NBA. I did too. Uh, I'm actually going to watch the NBA for the first time since Scott and I were in college. Yeah, maybe I can give you guys a a list of teams to keep an eye on. Tell me who I need to hate because this is the outrage podcast and I need to be outraged. This is the fun part. Do you want coaches, teams, or players? All of it, baby. I need it. Yeah, boy. (laughs) Well, top on the list, you could always slot in the Lakers. Of course. Yeah. Um, I don't like the Knicks. Can I not like the Knicks? You should absolutely load the yeah. Knicks. They're a trash franchise with terrible ownership, and they get all kinds of coverage because they're in New York and they won a championship 47 years ago and made the playoff when we were all like four years old. <laughs> but they clapped so good for Kobe Bryant, like so good. The clap. Wow, I'm so impressed. They're like the they're like the Cowboys without the success in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, that's what they are. Yeah. So the that's, off-brand Cowboys. Um, yeah. So if you if there are teams that where you don't like the you know and it, it does get to people, but like the superstar treatment and some of the shenanigans that go with that. If you don't like that part, then the Clippers are probably one that you cannot like. Okay. That's one to keep an eye out for. Um who else gotta do we hate, have? Gotta hate on those coastal elites, am I right? So here, the real question is what type of team do you want to hate? Do you yeah. want to hate the like big market favorite with all the money? Brooklyn. Do you want to hate the team that's like just kind of always trying to be bad to get their like revenue checks? Mm-hmm. Do you want to hate the team that like is just gonna like dick punch you when the ref's not looking, but like sneak into the playoffs so they can get the playoff check, but never actually <laughs> try and win anything? Like what kind of team do you want to hate? See, mm-hmm. I typically hate the teams in most sports that like the Dodgers, where they just have so much fu money, and you know. Okay, well, right now that's pretty much the Lakers, who right did nothing except for like screw up everything about their whole team. But LeBron I mean, James decided to go there, so LeBron they decided to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they literally did the opposite of everything they're supposed to do and won a title for it. Yeah, so probably but, Lakers, Clippers, and I'd say Nets most likely. Yeah, right now the Clippers haven't like, won anything ever so you can just like kind of laugh at them right you can laugh at them yeah i hear nothing about dick punching teams i get why everybody hates them but sometimes i can't i can't help but kind of like it too because it's like a is it is a swagger it's very unique Mm -hmm. yeah you you might have to like low-key cheer for like the orlando magic or something i don't know oh gosh why would you do that to yourself i can't do that (laughs) i can't root for a professional sports team from orlando florida are you kidding (laughs) So, <laughs> I'm working on these uh, season previews for all the NBA teams. I'll let you guys uh, um, see them when I'm done. But a part of that is just some a silly element I'm adding to each of these is uh, the over under. I'd like I'd be interested to see. So something where you I'd be interested to see if people could bet the over or the under for it. So for example, for the Knicks, their new coach Tom Thibodeau, I set the uh, I set that one as two and a half panic attacks this season. <laughs> hammer the over. Yes. Hammer it. You have to hammer the over on that one. I may have to adjust it a little bit just in case, but here's what I wrote for, um, for Orlando. All right. So what was the over under I'd like to see? Oh gosh. Didn't I write it down? 
Uh, oh no, I texted it to a friend. So it was, let me pull it up real quick. Sorry. Okay. Over under two and a half yawns per game from the average man, magic fan walk watching at home. Uh, <laughs> uh, trick question. There will be no magic fans watching. That's true. That's true. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. So if there could be a yawn in the NBA, it would be the Orlando magic. Uh, I missed their old school logo where they had like a star for an A and a star dotting I. It made them look like this was Disney World's team. Come yeah. by uh, a four, four, four ticket pass to Disney World and we'll give you some uh, Orlando Magic tickets for free. They did <laughs> yeah, something they had some like years that. Where they, yeah. oh. they had they some pulled- years where they played like it was a bunch of Disney mascots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Dwight Howard could fill out that goofy, that goofy costume. Yeah. <laughs> Mom, why does Goofy have the biggest shoulders I've ever seen? <laughs> Those aren't shoulder pads, sweetie. That's just <laughs> Dwight Howard. Meaty shoulders. Well, then they had um, a couple years ago, Aaron Gordon, who's their starting power forward. He was in the dunk contest and they brought out their mascot, which is a very like, interesting looking kind of mythical creature <laughs> type mascot I don't know if it makes sense because it's the magic you know I'm looking but it, at it right I know but they had they had the mascot one of his dunks mascot was on a hoverboard holding the ball on its head Aaron Gordon jumped over him both legs over the mascot picked up the ball went under his legs and jammed it <laughs> It was Hold incredible. On. Hold That's on. Amazing. Yeah, this if you want to see a good famous. dunk contest, Aaron Gordon is versus it, Zach Levine. This that was is the best dunk contest. Stuff the Magic Dragon. Stuff the, Stuff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> Holy shit. Stuff <laughs> the Magic Dragon. Yikes. Here's the real question. Here's the real question. When they're workshopping Stuff the Magic Dragon, they actually intentionally name it Stuff the Magic Dragon? Or did somebody write stuff there as a filler before they came back with the real name and it just went to print? This this wow. guy, this mascot's face is oh, it's shameful. <laughs> this shit is it's shameful. bad. It's Shame bad. God face. Oh my god. Are, are y'all looking at the Google images for Orlando Magic mascot? Because this second picture yeah. is killing me. When he's poking at his tummy. <laughs> yeah, the one where he looks like he's like dry hump in the air and he's got like snot shooting out of his nostrils. Oh yeah, his uh, his nostrils have these little built-in th- the thing the magic dragon. They yeah. just puff out stuff the magic. <laughs> this is this is they're either going to make this is either the best or the worst mascot. I can't decide. Uh, he's now, top five in my book. Now type in if you're searching it on Google. Now type in stuff the magic dragon or whatever Orlando mascot and Aaron Gordon. Pull that up and go to images, and you'll. I think the first one you'll see will be the one with him uh, jumping <laughs> over the mascot. <laughs> <laughs> He's feeding that basketball straight in his gooch. It's amazing. Right in the gooch. Right in the <laughs> I mean, he's living up. To, he's living up to his name. Stuff the magic dragons all up in his stuff. Gordon, the dragon rider. You can get like a. What, you can get a bobblehead of this crap, y'all. Look at this. I got some. You can get a bobblehead. Oh. 
I might have to start rooting for the magic on the side a little bit. This is. I'm gonna start rooting for him now that I know this. Are they? Are, are, <laughs> you can get a bottle. Did you see the bobblehead? <laughs> he's so just, stupid. He's staring. erupting from the court. Stuff the magic is erupting from the he's court. Got his, he's got jazz hands in the air and he's staring right in his Aaron butt. Aaron Gordon's like cupping his balls and his butt's just straight on. Stuff's it head. looks like Stuff the Magic Dragon has opened a portal from hell straight into the court and is like coming up to like swallow Aaron Gordon. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I did not know this. Okay, so now I need to go back and look and see if I'm going to go with uh, probably not on the uh, whether or not Orlando is going to be nationally televised. I'd have to look. They better not have many games. So. They're Let me take probably not going to be that good. <laughs> and they won't be fun. I mean, no, they might be okay. They won't. They'll top out at okay, and they won't be fun or have any star names or be a big market. Or <laughs> they won't be anything that you want to be. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Thanks. Yeah. Stuff the magic mm-hmm. dragon. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. And even Washington Wizards. Zero. Mm-hmm. They'll well, get some in the got, second half now that they got old Russ. That's got to change. They'll they'll figure that out. They have an awesome backcourt: Westbrook, Westbrook, and Bradley Beal. And honestly, Westbrook is like a pretty okay fit with that roster, especially from like an offensive standpoint. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Beal can bomb it, and so same with uh, Davis Bertans, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. actually, have some guys that can play off the ball and and really shoot with Russ to give him some space. Yeah. Yeah, you have some pretty good shooters on that team. Um so they should be they should be an interesting team. They'll be in the mix, I think, with the Hawks actually. Um yeah. they or, definitely closed the gap by being Russ, I think. Yes, absolutely they did. Yeah. I think the wild card in the East is gonna be Indiana in terms of <laughs> Are they a lock for the playoffs? Are they going to be on the fringe? What's going to happen? Because they have a new coach and uh, they're bringing in some of Toronto's um, space and ball sharing offense. They're coming into the 21st century with offense now. Yeah, which never happens right away. Almost always, you know, has like a delay year or any kind of like schematic coaching change in any sport at any level. Um, But Yeah. yeah. Indiana's the kind of team where it's like everybody's like, oh yeah, definitely seventh. Like also if they're twelfth, I'm not like really that surprised. They got some variability, but I think I think they'll get in the playoffs because of their sheer talent and experience together. Even though the coach is new, but they're another team to monitor in terms of what's going to happen. But if you want to uh, track with some some teams this year. The ones I'd recommend would be Denver. They should be really fun. If for no other reason, watching Nikola Jokic, who's uh, who looks like um, one of the most unathletic people in the world. Yeah, he he looks like a tall Eastern European extra in a bar scene. Yes, he does. Maybe cross with the Pillsbury Doughboy a little bit. Yeah, like he's just yeah, a big dude at the end of the bar stool in the background while like the important characters have dialogue. 
and he's legitimately one of the, legitimately one of the best passers in the league. Like he threw he threw a pass in the playoffs. I think they were playing during the second round. Denver was playing the Clippers, and he was under the basket, and he had a shooter in the corner and a shooter kind of at the break. And he's hurling this ball, and there was a defender towards the guy in the corner. And he starts whipping this, you know, he's whipping this ball, and the guy ran into the corner, and it went right past him, right where he was. So he faked out the defender, <laughs> and I just thought, I watched it, and my jaw was on the ground. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> How great of a passer he is. But they'll yeah. be fun. And, and he's um, like a, a fun, unique player, right? So it'd be like a little different than yeah. other viewing experiences. Yeah. That's yeah. something I could get excited about because I, I don't I I know it's really appealing to want to go follow players who just score lots of points and just dunk on dudes. But there's something really appealing about the really good team players who do I don't know, they're like Tim Duncan. They do the fundamentals really well and it makes everyone better. Yeah. He also Funny. has like a looping rainbow jump shot or shot. <laughs> it's so good. It's like literal, way in the air. Just literal literal rainbows come off the ball. Pretty much. Pretty much. But Denver should be really fun this year. Phoenix should be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing them. And I'm very interested with Charlotte because Lamella Ball's there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that Charlotte just doesn't really do much with uh, young players. They, the player they usually get is someone who played like multiple years in college and maybe has like a small, you know, lower ceiling, but... You know, consummate pro probably doesn't raise the ceiling of the franchise too much. And this pick is very out of character for them. So I'm fascinated. It probably won't pay off much this year. There's going to be a lot of growing pains, nah. but yeah. Yeah. And they'll probably try to, to push for uh, the playoffs. So As Charlotte. Yeah. Have y'all seen that video of a uh, LaMelo ball when he was in high school? He lost a uh, shooting competition to a carny. <laughs> I'm gonna Hold find, on. Does the carny look athletic? No, he looks like a dad. He looks like a carny. But it was one of those, <laughs> like, hey, I'll, if you if you could beat me, you know, it looked like it was maybe a standard free throw kind of distance. One of those things, and the guy just went to town. Probably because that's just his whole life, you know, is... You know, that's his literal dojo. Let's see if I can find this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. Here we go. That's awesome. <laughs> Little ball lost to a carny. <laughs> <laughs> and his friends freak out on him. <laughs> oh, man. It's beautiful. He's, like, he's probably like 16, 15 or 16. He's got braces. He looks kind of awkward. You know, it's 2017. <laughs> Oh man! Like Carney, <laughs> beautiful. Uh, all right, John. No. I know it's late where y'all at, so should actually. It's so late. This was fun. This was good. I learned so much. Um, thanks, Kev, for all your uh, insight, especially sure. since I have none. Justin has I more. I have none. You and Scott. I have- I have um, the next none. <laughs> um, it's fun, man. It. it should be a really fun season. So definitely check out when you can. I will. 
Mm-hmm. Will do. Absolutely. It's hyped. Um, it's hyped. It's hyped up for me. I'm excited to watch basketball now, which I'm I haven't excited. been able to play in a while. I'm excited to purchase some stuff to match Dragon merch. <laughs> of course. I mean, I gotta say, the first time, the first time this season, you see James Harden just perfectly execute at pick and roll at the strip club. It's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> Talk about the pick and rain. Pick and rain. There you go. <laughs> That's where he picks the bills out of his wallet and then makes it rain. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Raining threes. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I guess that's going to do it here. Um, oh, oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> well, we didn't have a, this was a very NBA heavy episode. No, we, we went off the rails to talk about, uh, we had a Denver. small, a small rabbit trail with college football. Yeah. But, uh, nothing teen this week. Um, no, no food conversation. This was purely sports and I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, We'll have to, Kevin. We'll have to have you back on again. Maybe like a mid-season update, or just I don't know. We'll have another NBA episode because this is actually this is actually really fun to to just sit and listen to you and Scott talk about it because y'all y'all definitely know your stuff. Here, here. You know? Yeah, thanks for thanks for letting me join you guys. It's been great. Yeah. All so, righty. Well, to all our people listening, au revoir. Until next time. Gotta hit him with the au revoir, Scott. Au revoir. C'est la basketball. Oh, oui, oui. <laughs> C'est la basket. Thanks again for listening to Let Them Eat Takes. If you like this show, make sure to subscribe, review, tell your friends, all that good stuff. If you want to know more of Kevin's thoughts on hoops and other sports, you can follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Kevin, Kevin with a K, underscore D, underscore Sprague, spelled S-P-R-A-G-U-E. And if you already don't follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and Twitter at LTET Podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.